Matthew chapter 28. This is our second part. You got me. Second part of the Great Commission. We're talking about making disciples. Last week we talked about going. This week we're talking about baptizing. So, yes, there's a lot of stuff going on. You should have three things. Something to write with, a piece of paper, and then uh, a Lord's Supper container. A Lord's Supper container. Um, no complaints about the bread. We at least get to try it this way with uh, our COVID restrictions. All right. So, Shugs, go ahead and pull up the uh, questionnaire slide. And so this is volunteer basis. You do not have to fill this out. This is for me to get an idea of where we are as a family. And so the first question is a salvation question, a faith question. Have you ever placed your faith in Christ to save you from your sin? Do you believe His death, burial, and resurrection paid the price for your sin? Have you called on Him to save you? All right, and so obviously you've got a few options. Yes, no, or I would like to talk more about salvation. I don't know exactly what that means. This stuff's confusing. I want to know more. And so any of those options. And then there's a follow-up question. Do any of these following statements describe you? I believe in Jesus and have been baptized. And so for me, this is where I am. I'll just share real quick my story. Um, I had a pastor of a church I went to, Florence Baptist, Tim Alexander, came over to our house, shared the gospel with me after my mom had shared the gospel with me numerous times. And so don't think if you're sharing the gospel with somebody and they're ignoring you or they don't respond in faith in Christ, that it's falling on deaf ears. It took me multiple times to hear the gospel. And so I remember he drew this picture and he's like, the only way you get to God is because Jesus bridged the gap. And listen, I wasn't... Uh, I, I didn't know everything. I wasn't super old, but I knew that I was messed up, and I knew I was separated from God, and I needed somebody to stand in the gap. And so he explained how Jesus came, lived a perfect life, a life I was supposed to live but couldn't, and he died for my sin and for your sin, and how everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. And so I, I called on Jesus to save me. And then a couple weeks later, I went through a, a couple of courses um, learning some more things about the Christian walk. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And then my grandpa, who was a, a pastor down Radcliffe by Fort Knox, came up and baptized me one Sunday at the church. And so for me, yes, I believe in Jesus. Um, it, it was a long time ago now, and I still believe in Jesus. And I was baptized, and, and the date, I don't have it exactly. I think it was 1990 is the year. Around there. That was my date. So that's my story. Other people, I believe in Jesus and would like to be baptized. Right? I think there's a lot of people that have put their faith in Christ and they didn't know about baptism or, or don't know why is that important. I've talked to some people who have been baptized multiple times. And so I, I love to hear your story. This is, this is, there are no wrong answers. This is where are you at? What is God doing in your life? And so you might say, Ben, I believe in Jesus. I've never thought about baptism. I don't know enough about it, but I'd like to. 
And that's something that we can talk about. And then the last one is I still have questions about faith and baptism. I don't want to come to church and get wet. I don't think it's that big a deal. Write it down. Right? And so as we go through this, questions will pop up. Write it down. All right? But I do know this. God is at work in our city, and He's moving. And this right here, so I think I jumped, I jumped ahead. This right here is a baptismal, right? So, Robbie, you mind grabbing the lid over there? We're going to grab the lid and try to put it behind here. And just set it flat down in between. Bam. All right. Demarcus, I'm going to choose you. Come on up. Demarcus is our model for the day. He's been an Easter bunny on Sunday. And now Demarcus, baptism Sunday. And so what would happen, I would stand behind here. Or now, whoever leads someone to Jesus will have the invite and opportunity to baptize them. All right, so we're talking about the Great Commission. Right? Go and make disciples. Sometimes churches think the pastor is the only guy that can baptize, but the pastor's not the only guy that should be making disciples. Every follower of Jesus should be making disciples. And I think one of the powerful things that we can see is someone who had shared the gospel with someone, show up with them on a Sunday, and baptize them. It's kind of like their, their spiritual mentor, their spiritual older brother or older sister. And so what would happen? Marcus has professed his, his faith in Christ, and he believes in Jesus, and he wants to follow in baptism. So he would come up here and, uh, Shugs, you made these steps, correct? What's the guarantee on these? 100%. All right, take a couple steps up. Now, he goes all the way up, and then it's awesome inside here, and you guys can look at this later. Go ahead, step in. Step in, and then you got steps down. Now, here's the awesome part. This is, this is the benefit of being here. Now, this you don't think is a big deal until you get in the water. This is a water heater. So we will have this in here. The water will be just right, right? So DeMarcus will make his way all the way down, and then feet will go all the way down to there. Now, whoever leads a person to Christ will, will be here, and we'll say, we'll share a story. DeMarcus uh, believed in Jesus. He wants to follow uh, in obedience and, and be baptized. And so we would say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then, now this is on wheel, so it's a little bit lower. DeMarcus would lean back. Don't lean back. There's no water in this. <laughs> I don't want you to get concussed. He'd lean back under the water, back out, and then he'd walk out and we'd dry off and go. All right, so under the water, baptized, back out. We don't hold them under the water. Back out, and then we go. All right, thank you, DeMarcus. You can go. And so I, I wanted to share this. We had a couple baptisms. As a matter of fact, we had nine baptisms lined up for Easter last year. You guys know where we were for Easter? At home, right? I was preaching to the cell phone. This is not to hold children's supplies. What would be awesome is if this thing was filled up every Sunday as new people came to faith in Christ, right? Baptism is a big deal. And I think a lot of times what happens is I think, I, I would say most of us know what baptism is. We've seen it. We've, we've got an idea of it. But I also think we may have a low view of baptism. And so today, as we march through the Great Commission, we talked about going last week. And if you want to, you can check that out on our website. You can hear that message about how do we go uh, and make disciples today. It's about baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right? 
So let's pray and then we'll get to work. All right. Father, thank you for gathering us together this morning. Lord, thank you for this family. Father, I pray that you give us wisdom as we look at what does it mean to be baptized and what does it point to. Open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our minds, help us see your word, and then help us respond obediently. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, number one, baptism is a picture of the gospel. First and foremost, baptism is a picture of the gospel. Points to the death and burial of Christ. That's why we go under the water. And we come out because on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. This is very, very important. The gospel is, a, is displayed with baptism every time. You see someone go under the water and out of the water. Our minds should think back. This is what Jesus has done for us. It is a gospel picture. We have zero salvation apart from the work of Christ. And every baptism is a light signaling, hey, this is true. This is true. This is true. Jesus lived a perfect life, died in your place, and was buried under the water. And he rose just as you do coming out of the water. It is a gospel picture. First and foremost, baptism is not about the person. It's about the Savior who allows baptism to happen. God is the hero when you watch baptism. This should be a reminder for all of us in the room that have been saved that God did something in our lives. That's what baptism points to. One guy put it this way. Baptism gets its meaning and its importance from the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in our place for our sins. And from his triumph over death and the resurrection that guarantees our new and everlasting life. Baptism has meaning and importance only because the death and resurrection of Jesus are infinitely important for our rescue from the wrath of God and our everlasting joy in his glorious presence. That's what baptism is all about. Pointing people to the glorious work of Christ. Do you have a small view of baptism? I'd love to hear, and obviously I'm not asking you to share out loud here. Is baptism just a church ritual, a tradition, or do we see something eternally significant with baptism? We see some eternal realities with what goes on with the baptism. You see how awesome that is? I want us as a church to have a high view of baptism. We don't take this lightly. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with a baptism. Right? There's a lot of things that, that people believe and twist, and we want to be careful with it. But at the end of the day, it points to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is of first importance for our church. All right, so number one, baptism is a picture of the gospel. Number two, baptism points to our identity, points to our identity. And so I was wondering, preparing this message, we have a lot of people here that have been baptized a long time ago and know a lot about baptism. And what I want us to remember with every baptism, it's a reminder of who we are, of who we are. And this is very important because the world around us is very confused about identity. Many people in the church are very confused about identity. And I want you to see this, Romans 6, 
Romans 6, verse 4. Check this out. If you're taking notes, write this passage down. Romans 6, 4, and we go through 11. And it's going to talk about our identity. If you're in Christ, this is describing you. And it's a picture that's reflected in our baptism. This is very important. And so this is telling us who we are in Christ. This is a reality for those who have faith in Christ. Now, if you're sitting here and you never put your faith in Christ, this is not describing you. But for those who know Jesus, this is very, very important. This is who you are. This is who we are. Check this out. Verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a newness of life. That's a picture that we see in baptism. You want a fresh tart? You need new desires? You need a new heart? That's the picture we see in baptism. That's our new identity. God is doing something in us. I'm not the same person. When I went under the water as I came out, I came out a different person. Not because of the water. It's what it's a picture of. It's what God is doing in me. And then we keep reading. Verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. We don't have to do the wrong things that we chose to do in the past. We have new life. We keep reading. It gets better. Verse 7, Since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, this is the conclusion. So, you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Every person who is baptized is declaring that message. I'm not the same person. I used to be dead to the things of God, but now I have been made alive because of the work of Christ. Do you see how the picture of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, impacts who we are right now? And so those are two things at the same time showing up in baptism. Death and burial, resurrection of Jesus, and then dead to sin, new life in Christ. Dead to sin, that's a burial, that's why you go under the water, new life in Christ. That's why you're raised out of the water. And that's who we are as people. You guys see how powerful that is? And then we keep seeing this uh, with identity. It's, it's very easy to see identity in things. So, Mike, your shirt, what type of shirt is that? Very easy to identify, right? Why? Who knew, who knew that a check mark could be such a great logo? Anybody else? What kind of sweatshirt you got? Betty, what is that? Puma, right? I wasn't for sure what a Puma is. It's a type of cat. Brand, logo, Under Armour, all sorts of stuff, right? LaVeya, who do you play for? Dixie Heights. Bam, she's wearing the gear. It's easy to see identities based on signs, right? Now, when someone is baptized, that's a sign. That's like a logo. And what it's saying is, hey, I belong to Christ. I have a new life in Christ. Man, that's a powerful thing for us right now. 
There's a lot of people searching for identity. And we were created by God for God. And until we find our identity in Christ, we'll continually be searching and never finding. And so let baptism speak truth to your heart right now. Maybe you're struggling with that. I'm like, Brown, I have no idea what I want to do, what I want to be. But you can know this. You're dead to sin. And now you're alive to God because of what Jesus has done. That's what's pictured in baptism also. All right. And then number three. Baptism sets the pace in obedience. Baptism sets the pace in obedience. Now, for football, we have these things called cross fields, right? We go across the field, it's not a problem. Then you come back, not a problem. When do they start getting hard? When it keeps... When it keeps it, yeah, about 50 yards down, back, down, back. But here's the cool part. Everybody, every time, there's somebody in the group that'll set a pace, right? You don't have to win every time, but you better be close to the guy winning every time. You don't want to be last, right? And so you, if you've seen, I don't know if we have any NASCAR fans in the room, but there's something called a pace car. Yeah, all right, pace car. What does a pace car do? So it's pace. Tells everybody else how fast they can go. Don't pass the pace car. Right? Let you know how fast you can go. Baptism sets the pace for a new believer's walk with Christ. So I think this is interesting, and, and this is something that kept on coming back to me all week. How does the Great Commission start? What does Jesus say? You guys remember? Verse 20, or, or verse 18, what does it say? Jesus says, what? All all what has been given to me? All, all, authority. all authority. All authority has been given to me. What I find amazing is how hard it is for us to submit to his authority, to be obedient, to walk with Jesus day in and day out. And as you read the Gospels, you can see the disciples mess up time and time again. Here's the problem. If our life was recorded in the Bible, you would see our mess-ups again and again and again. When Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you think that that is an option for the church? Did Jesus say, Hey, go and do that if you feel like it. Go and do that if it's a sunny day. Go and do that if you have time. Or do you think it was a command by Jesus? It's commanded, right? And so here, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. Baptism isn't an option for those who call Jesus Lord. If Jesus is my Lord, I'm going to do what he has called me to do. And now this is what I like. Most times, this isn't everybody. Most times what happens, someone calls on Jesus they are saved, and then they follow quickly in baptism. It sets the pace for a life of obedience. And what we're saying when we're baptized is, whatever Jesus calls me to do, I'm going to do it. And I'll be honest with you. How awkward is it in our day and time to show up for a service, a worship service, and jump in a pool of water to get dunked? Most of the times, if you're in a pool and you get dunked, it's not a good thing. But here, it's a vital thing if 
we're going to be obedient to Christ. And so baptism sets the pace in our obedience. And, and hey, we see this all throughout the Bible, right? We see all authority has been given to Jesus. And then he says, I'm with you to the end of the age. And so this command lasts until Jesus' return. And so we've got to be obedient. We, we see that it's demanded by Christ, but then we see it displayed in the church. Hey, this is going to be rapid fire. We're just going to look at Acts. If you're, if you're writing down notes, just write down the references. Don't worry about the verses. Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized, right? So they accepted the message from Peter, and then they were baptized. Guess how many people were baptized that day? Mm, about 3,000. About 3,000 people, right? Now listen, if we have 3,000 people, I don't think we'll use this. I think we're going to walk down to the Licking River. Maybe. <laughs> I forgot to see sanitation levels on that. We might just keep on refilling. That would be an awesome thing to work through, though, right? They hear, responded to the word, and then they are baptized. Or in Acts 8.12, but when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. They hear the word, and then they are baptized. Acts 8.36, as they were traveling down the road, this is Philip when he jumped up into the chariot. We talked about it last week. They finally get to some water, and the guy says, hey, look, there's some water. What keeps me from getting baptized? So they jumped out of the chariot, they get down into the water, and he is Baptized after believing in Christ. Acts 9, 18. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes. Talking about Paul. Paul sees Jesus. And he's saved. And then he's healed by a prayer. And then he gets up and he is baptized. Did you know Paul's baptism is recorded in the Bible? Pretty cool. Next, Acts 10, 47. Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So God was doing something in their life. They had turn the faith in Christ, and then they are baptized. And then two more, Acts 16, 31, 33. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them that same hour and night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and his family were baptized. So you have this jailer who has arrested and beaten two men that were spreading the gospel. And then they hear the word, they respond to faith, and they are Baptized. And then, uh, last example in Acts 18 8, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. So, if you have trusted in Jesus and have never been baptized, you have that opportunity. You are invited to follow him in obedience to be baptized. And so while this does not save you, it is absolutely necessary for obedience. And that's why this is a big deal. Because what I don't want to see is someone hear the gospel, respond, yes, Jesus is Lord, I will follow him. And then they shrug off, well, that's not a big deal. Because what happens next is when Jesus calls you to the next thing, like, well, well I can pick and choose. Well, that's not for me. Well, I don't want to do that. But when you do that, is Jesus your Lord? No. If Jesus is Lord of your life, it means you do what he's called you to do. And so it's a matter of obedience. Now, this also gets to some, there's a lot of different beliefs with this. How come you don't baptize babies? Babies cannot respond to the gospel. Dia hasn't responded to one word I've said today. Right? She's comfortable. Nobody's bothering her. She's sleeping. She can't turn from her sins. She doesn't know what sin is. And so we're not going to baptize her. 
baptism is response from the Bible. We see a response to the gospel. And so we do something called baby dedication, where we commit to praying for our children and encouraging parents to train them in the ways of God. And then when they respond to the gospel, we want to baptize them. Ava, my, my oldest, she's a freshman, has responded to the gospel. She was baptized. Balin and Camden are working out salvation issues. And so we want to wait till they respond to the gospel and see God work in their life. And then we want to make sure we follow in obedience. One of the scary things that I've seen in the church is someone will say, I want to be baptized and I have no idea why they should be baptized. Right? They see so-and-so get it, so-and-so get baptized, so-and-so. So now I want to get baptized and they'll get baptized. And then years on down the road, they'll say, yeah, I'm saved because I was baptized as so-and-so. This doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus saves you. Baptism is aligning your life in obedience to Christ. And so very, very important. But if you point back to a baptism to save you, it goes back to work. And you can't work and earn your salvation. And so I've had older gentlemen, very close friend, say, yeah, I'm saved because of this. This does not earn your salvation. And so I want to be careful with Balin and Camden, with everybody that we baptize. We want to make sure that people know that their faith in Christ saves them. Right? That's Ephesians 2. That's all throughout the Bible. That's Romans, the whole book. Right? When it talks about baptism, it's always followed by or always before faith. Faith, then baptism. And so, if you're here and you believe in Christ and never been baptized, Man, follow him in obedience. Follow him in obedience. And then finally, baptism shows us a family. And this is a powerful opportunity we have in Covington. This is a powerful opportunity we have in Covington. When someone is baptized, they're welcomed into the family of believers. When someone is dipped under the water and out, they're saying, hey, I'm with you all. 1 Corinthians put it this way. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Baptism is a family affair. A couple of examples. This is pretty easy. When you have the birth of a child, it's easy to know you have an addition to the family, right? And it's a celebration. When we got home, we had several family members over, several friends over. Many people provide all sorts of meals, which I didn't eat, but I appreciate it. It's a celebration. Have you guys ever heard of gotcha days? Gotcha days. It's a celebration when you adopt somebody. And it's called Got You Days. And they celebrate this because it's a family affair. The reason why we do baptisms in front of other people is because it's family business. And so what I encourage people to do is as they're baptized, don't worry about the, the people looking. Because this is what the people looking should be doing. They should be praying for the person baptized on how they can be an older brother or an older sister to the person getting baptized. 
right? Because as a family, we have a responsibility to one another. Now, this is a game-changing truth for us in our context. To know that we have brothers and sisters that are looking out for us, praying for us, holding us up before the throne of God, encouraging us, sacrificing for themselves so that we might be able to keep walking with Jesus. And that's the truth you see in baptism. All right, so on your paper, of those four things, write down the one that sticks out the most to you and why. All right, so on your, your half sheet of paper, of those four things, and Shugs, make sure, perfect. Which of these four do you think, man, I'd like to know more about this, or this is my story, this is what's important to me, this is what I'm wondering about, anything with that. Also, any questions you may have on baptism, write it on the back of that paper. All right, take just a couple of moments to go ahead and write that down. Because with a topic like this, there's so many questions I think people should be asking and should have. So when it comes to baptism, did you know that it's a picture of the gospel? Did you know that it's pointing to our identity, new life in Christ? Does it set a pace for obedience in your life? Is, is this something that you have done? Has it springboarded you into a life of obedience? And then do you realize that you're part of the family, part of the family. And listen, you'll have time also after the service. Now, we're going to move in. There's something else that we do as a family, and we have not been able to do this for the past year, right? We didn't want to pour juice and try to pass it around, hand it out. Everybody grab bread with COVID-19. But we're going to get ready to take the Lord's Supper, and I just want to put up a couple of hedges around the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is not for everybody. It is for those who believe in Christ. And I want you to, to hear this. If you're here and you do not know Christ, feel no obligation to open up this cup, open up this bread. All right? Also, if you're in Christ, it's very, very important how you approach this time. And so I'll, I want to read just real quick. This is, this is the text, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And now listen, now, hey, this is tricky. If you open up the wrong one, you'll get the juice instead of the bread. The bread is just that little plastic. And it looks like styrofoam, but the ingredient says it's a wafer. We'll see. So Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so when we take the bread, mentally, you have to look at what Jesus has done for us. And he talks about how he came to this world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He laid his life down. His body was broken on the cross. And so if you are able to and get that way for out, Let's take this in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. Take, eat. Father, I thank you for going to the cross for us, laying your life down so that we might be saved. Father, you did not withhold anything from us, but sent your Son who laid down his life so that we might have life. 
It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And then he doesn't stop there. In the Bible it talks that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And we keep reading. In the same way also, he took a cup. And he was passing it around. And this is an amazing thing. They were celebrating something called Passover. You and I probably have never celebrated. Actually, we have never celebrated a Passover, would be my guess. What would happen is at home, they would put the blood of a lamb over the doorpost. And then this angel, while in Egypt, would pass over that house, not harming anyone in the home. The blood would be a sign for the angel to pass over. Right? God is getting ready to deliver his people out of bondage in Egypt. Send a death angel, and the angel will pass over when he sees the blood. Now, Jesus is taking what they already knew and said, If you're covered by my blood, death will also pass over you. You will have eternal life because of what I'm doing for you on the cross. And so when Jesus lays his life down, shedding his blood, our sins can be covered because of his sacrifice. And so as we drink this cup, don't worry about the taste or what it is. Think about what Jesus has done for us. This is a powerful reminder of what God has done for us at the cross. Take, drink. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your son. Lord, with everybody in the room, you've gathered them together for a reason. You brought each one here this morning for a reason. And so, Father, as we look at what Jesus has done on the cross with laying down his body and pouring out his blood so that we might be saved, I pray for those of us that have been walking with Jesus for a while, that this is now fresh, that we see it with new eyes and a new heart. Pray that we see the grace that you offer. Our sins are covered so we don't have to walk in shame. We don't have to walk in guilt. We have new life because of what Christ has done. Father, I pray that as a church we're faithful in making disciples that we see thousands of people baptized because of what you're doing. So, Lord, I pray that you lead us to walk with you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to approach your throne because of what Jesus has done for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, The next week coming up, we're talking about teaching to observe. And it's our last in our series of making disciples. Um, We want to see this happen throughout the week. And so, uh, Holmes High School, Connor... We're going back to school this week, and here's, here's the temptation I think all of us will be facing. We have 30 school days left, right? I just want to get to summer. Donovan's complaining about going to school four days a week. <laughs> Ellie, how many days you got to go to school a week, this week? Zero. Lucky dog. That's a different, that's a different, online. how many days? Five days. LaVeya, how many days are you going to school? Five. Donovan, nobody's feeling sorry for us. Nobody's feeling sorry for us. Here's the problem, though. We'll, we'll look at it, and, and we'll be like, man, I just want to get done and get to summer. Maybe God has somebody for you to share the gospel with. Maybe you can make a disciple in the next 30 days. Maybe we can see God move in the next couple weeks. So do not waste the time that you have. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask someone to volunteer and pray for teachers and students getting ready to go back for spring break, help us finish strong. And I'm not talking about grades. 
talk about how we can glorify God in our schools. All right, can I get somebody to volunteer and pray?